Hi, Gilbert. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Hi, Dr. Olu. Welcome. I think it will be a really interesting research today. Dr. Celia DeSantis, she's actually a physicist that, um, yeah, ended up developing uh, brain imaging techniques, new ones. And uh, yeah, I think it's a really interesting paper. Yeah, looking forward actually, the title seems interesting. I'm at the office, so I'm going to be muted most of the time. If you need anything, just let me know. Okay, thank you. Hi, Sylvia. How are you? Hi, Katarina. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm not muted. Okay. Yep. Hi. <laughs> Can you hear me fine? Yes, perfect. Great. We are so Great. happy to, see, to hear you. <laughs> I still say to you, <laughs> but it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm also really happy to, to for, I was very happy about your invitation and uh, I'm discovering this platform now because I haven't used it before and uh, I hope I will uh, use it uh, uh, correctly. <laughs> I've been listening to uh, uh, a couple of uh, Science Society recorded uh, uh, talks and uh, so I think I more or less I understand the format, but please uh tell me off whenever you want if uh <laughs> if i'm not doing things uh, how you you want oh, to, want. oh we are here for you like uh, everything that you like whatever you do is the right thing <laughs> okay you should tell us when when we we are here to like that you have a a platform to present your work and and mm -hmm. you know and for people that usually you know, don't get the opportunity to talk with scientists like you. So um, there's, you know, whatever you would like to do is the right thing. So. Okay. <laughs> they, Great. It's, it's informal, right? It's not like there's a fixed format. It's, it's whatever we want it to be. That's what this is. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. Great, great. Uh, good to know. Good to know. So I can keep it informal, no? I can... I mean, I, because I the 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 talks that I've been record uh, listening to the the recorded ones were, you know, but more or less I don't know maybe 30 minutes talking about the the work and uh, then questions. So I guess this is the the this is going to be more or less the format. And in these 30 minutes, I can keep it uh, informal, right? Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Great. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you. <laughs> Great. Great. And keep, people can join the, the room and then they can leave. I mean, it's super informal, no? I, I really like this format. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And um, yeah, people can come and go. Um, also, people that just see the title and think it's kind of interesting, they can just come and leave. Um, and so it's also recorded, right? So um, mm -hmm. which gives you know, then people 
at, that are at this time maybe at work or um, it's in the middle of the night, we they can listen to it. And I think the cool thing to listen to it, so we'll have it also on our podcast, um, Spotify, and then on YouTube. I'll just, unedited, I'll just um, upload it. Um, mm-hmm. But what I like about the Clubhouse recordings is that all the links and everything that's said in the chat also and so on is still there. So it's like you're in the room, um, just you cannot ask a question. But the experience in general, it's really a replay, not just a recording. Yeah. So I, yeah. So. Great. So we'll start in around five minutes. So we still have a little bit of time. Let me share on Twitter that we are starting. Okay. H- how's your day been going and your summer? Is it very <laughs> hot in Alicante? I, we, we are having a heat wave in all Europe or in a big chunk of Europe. Uh, but I mean, in, in Alicante, it's normally very, very hot in the summer. So we are quite used to it. I think that in, the, in Northern Europe, they are suffering more. But no, no, it's going well. Uh, looking forward to some vacations, actually. So. In Mediterranean, people used to take all August off. So, uh, or August is normally a really a, a dead uh, month in terms of work. So I will take a few days. I will work for a few days and then I will take a few days off as well in August. Yeah, it's it's important, I think. <laughs> I don't like the, the U.S. approach. That was the biggest shock for me when I first moved to the U.S., how little people have mm-hmm. vacation. But then... I was on the European Grand, so it didn't matter to me, but now I'm not anymore, so ah. <laughs> now, now, now I'm on U.S. contract, so it's different now. Uh-huh. Where are you from originally, if I can ask? Yeah, I'm from Porto originally, but I grew up in Germany, so ah. most oh, of wow. the time, not all the time. Yeah, and then, yeah, so mixed Nice. And you are now at the NYU? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I also work for a company, 3D Bio. So I'm mm-hmm. on a non-tenure track because I also focus on industry. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so. And I have my own little company too. I'm a little bit <laughs> all oh, really? over the place, but yeah. Nice. Yeah, I don't. Let's see. Well, you know, let's see how it works. Everything, but um, yeah. And um, I really, uh, well, I spent through my PhD program some time in Sevilla. I really loved it so much. <laughs> and yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm not Spanish myself. I'm Italian, but I uh, but Sp- Spain is my second home. So I I'm also enjoying a lot living here. It's like uh, well, I don't know. It's very similar to Italy, but there are a few things, uh, in my opinion, are working a little bit better. So it's I like it very oh, much. Yeah, the the institutes are really good in Spain. It's, um, 
Yeah, I, I really like the institute. I was in for, you know, short time. It was just an internship, so. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah. In Italy, I haven't been too much. I was in Milano and, like, the north, but um, that's that's it. Mm -hmm. I, have to, I have to go and travel more in Italy one day, take the time. Uh -huh, yeah, yeah, you should. Yeah, it's a beautiful country. Uh, where, where are you from in Italy? I, I'm from Roma, the the capital city. So right, right in the middle of uh, uh, the boot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go. I didn't. My parents, everyone went, just not me yet. So I have to go one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can you hear me fine? I am. Uh, is my connection okay? Because I can switch also to data. Uh, but uh, yep. yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, it's great. perfect. It's perfect. Great, because the Wi-Fi uh, sometimes the Wi-Fi is not working properly. So, but if you can hear me fine, then great. Yeah, usually there's a red bar on the bottom if there's some connection issues. Um, mm -hmm. Then it says, you know, red bar, and it says, "Oh, your connection is not good." But uh, we can hear you just fine. Okay. Okay. I think we can slowly start um, and um, welcome everyone to the Science Society and of course a special welcome um, to Sylvia DeSantis um, and um, thank you so much for coming and let me give you a little bit of an introduction before we start. So. Um, Dr. Sylvia DeSantis, she's the principal investigator in translational imaging in the biomarkers lab um, at the Institute of, Neuroscien um, of Neuroscience at um, the University of Miguel Hernandez in Alicante. And um, she started with a PhD in physics at the, I'm sorry if I if I pronounce it wrong, at Sapienza University in Rome. Perfect. Um, thank you. During uh, where she studied water diffusion dynamics in complex systems um, using diffusion weighted magnetic resonance imaging MRI. And uh, during her early postdoc years, she um, focused on um, further developing um, MRI to investigate uh, brain microstructures and um, more specific models that could um, examine um, different relevant aspects of um, the brain tissue composition. And later as a senior postdoctoral research, she um, really was more and more interested in neurobiology and um, she would she wanted to um, really amplify the impact of her results and develop a precise translation um, of diffusion parameters and biological variables um, by um, demonstrating that specific tissue compartments such as axons and glia uh, leave a characteristic signature in um, MRI measurements and allowing a better description of the brain structure. And um, she published for, her, for in her um, 
career many um, papers. Uh, she even published a book chapter and she has been reviewed in many international journals and uh, her research was even mentioned in TV, radio, newspapers and she was interviewed and um, yeah, she received uh, many different awards. And um, so we are very honored having you here, Sylvia. And we, <laughs> we usually start with like a general interview question, if that's okay with you. How, how did you discover in your life that you really wanted to become a scientist and that that was basically your life to be a scientist? Thank you. Hi, Katerina. Hi, everyone. So first of all, let me thank you. Uh, let, let me thank all the organizers for, uh, for inviting me and also Katerina for the really nice introduction with all the uh, Italian words said uh, perfectly. So thank you very much. Uh, yeah, so um, how, when I, how I decided that I wanted to be a scientist. It was, there, there wasn't for me really a, a moment in which I decided it. I was just very passionate about studying in general. And I think that at the beginning I took a PhD, like the only opportunity I had not, not to leave the university because I, I really enjoyed studying. Maybe there was also a little bit of, uh, you know, fear of uh, living for and having a, a real job, air quotes. Uh, but definitely physics, physics was my passion since, uh, since high school. Uh, I really liked the way in which physics could explain the world. But then uh, during my degree, uh, I was also looking for something that had uh, like a, a, a real impact in, uh, in everyday life. And I thought that biophysics, the, the field of biophysics, so how physics can be applied to solve biological questions, to answer biological questions, was really of interest to me. And uh, we had, there was an MRI group in the, when I was uh, graduating, there was an MRI group in the university and I joined them and I fell immediately in love with MRI because I thought MRI is magnetic resonance imaging and is an extraordinary technique because it allows uh, to have, basically to, to have uh, pictures of the inside of everything and uh, specifically uh, I become, I started to be interested in the brain, in pictures of the brain, but it's also very versatile in the sense that uh, these pictures can look at uh, many different aspects of the inside of the brain. And this was to me super fascinating, fascinating. So after that, uh, I, th this was what I, probably that's the moment in which uh, I decided that neuroscience and imaging, specifically neuroimaging was my, was my uh, preferred uh, career path. And then uh, everything went uh, quite smoothly after that. I really enjoyed uh, the postdoc as well and having to travel in different laboratories and changing my life every now and then. And now in another phase of my life, I really, I really enjoyed being finally <laughs> more or less uh, uh, having settled in, in, uh, in Alicante, which is uh, in the Institute of Neuroscience, which is a, a really nice uh, place to be. Thank you. That's a, that's a wonderful story. Uh, I had a little bit similar with electrophysiology. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And then I did an internship in the electrophysiology lab and fell in love with, you know, electrophysiology, seeing the tiny signals, you know, <laughs> right immediately uh -huh. with the new photon and the change. So yeah, that's, 
that's wonderful that um, that you really enjoy what you do and congratulations that's already I think a big achievement in life to do something what we love to do so thank you so much for your story and yeah the stage is yours for um, talking about your research thank you thank you very much Katarina and uh, yeah uh, great um... So uh, I I think that the, the I, I think I, I will uh, uh, my plan is to to present a little bit talk a little bit about the the work that uh, we are discussing today, uh, giving the first a really brief uh, general introduction uh, about the work. Uh, I will then um, I will I I, I will then um, discuss a little bit how we got. Uh, how we got here uh, to this stage of uh, putting together this work uh, and then maybe I will go into the details of the different uh, uh, results presented in, in the work with a little bit more uh, details. Uh, given that this is, I, I assume that this is a general answer, so I will, uh, the, like the first part, in the first part, I will probably just uh, do a, a really uh, basic basic summary of what we achieved in, uh, uh, in lay terms, and then maybe going uh, more, moving forward, I can talk more in details about, uh, yeah, about the details of the experiments. And of course, uh, all the questions are welcome at uh, any time. <laughs> so, um, in, uh, in really few words, our work uh, presents a strategy to look to having maps uh, of uh, microglia and astrocyte activation uh, using this technique, which is diffusion-weighted MRI, magnetic resonance imaging. Uh, what, is, what are microglia and astrocyte? The glia cells are uh, very important cells of the brain because they are those two kinds of cells uh, amongst many different tasks that they uh, uh, have. Uh, the main one probably is to, uh, to be in charge of the immune system of the brain. So basically when there is something that when there is a deviation from the uh, homeostasis, so, so when there is some, an attack or an injury or, or a condition, uh, they get uh, reactive in a reactive state. Uh, why? Because they, they need to take care of the issue. So, um, for example, if there are debris, debris to remove, they become phagocytotic uh, and they eliminate uh, the waste. Uh, so, um, and this happens, yeah, when there is an external or an internal attack. But uh, what is interesting is that uh, their activation state is uh, changing uh, a lot over the course of the life, for example. And sometimes uh, if they are uh, chronically activated, this is actually instead of being beneficial, they become harmful for the brain. So this is to say, and they, they have been involved recently in a lot of different uh, brain pathologies, even normal aging. Uh, there has been, a, uh, th there is a, a really nice word that I really like that has been um, invented recently, which is inflammaging. So it's the, the subtle inflammation state that develops with aging. And there is, appears that is, uh, is involved in the, in the risk, in increasing risk for the uh, neurodegenerative pathologies, for example. So uh, it would be really interesting to be able to image the activation state of these cells. 
there are methods to do it uh, and it will be interesting to do it to to be able to do it of course in vivo because uh, even though uh, a lot of uh, the, the preclinical research is, is is fundamental for for all neurodegenerative pathologies but of course uh, at the end of the day it's important to have an instrument that that you can use also in vivo and in patients in, in people so in this sense mri is ideal uh, because mri is a technique which is totally non-harmful for the brain so you can have a brain scan and uh, uh, after the scan nothing has happened no permanent damage has happened this is uh, unlike other techniques uh, like uh, ct for example but actually the the gold standard for uh, inflammation in the brain is actually PET, positron emission tomography, which is based on a contrast agent, which is uh, radioactive. So it's also uh, harmful in the sense that you cannot do it uh, freely, you cannot do it longitudinally, you cannot, it's more difficult to do it in vulnerable population. Uh, so this, this, was, this is the, the gold standard in the field. And we thought, okay, maybe we can do something with using MRI. And the reason why we thought that we could do something was that um, um, more th these cells, both kind of cells, microglia and astrocytes, when they are activated, they change their morphology, which means that they go, for example, the microglia, they go for, from being uh, uh, small cells with a small body and highly ramified uh, processes uh, to lose the process, to retract the processes and become more globular in shape and become much, and the, and the body becomes much uh, larger. And also, and similarly, also the astrocyte increase their size and change their morphology when, when they, they become activated. So, uh, so, so the idea was that since uh, the, the, the diffusion MRI, uh, diffusion MRI techniques are sensitive to how water diffuses in the cells, in the well, actually in the, in, in the brain environment, so we uh, inside and outside the cells. Uh, so this means that by looking at how this diffusion changed uh, by the fact that the morphology in which the, the water molecules are uh, diffusing change, uh, we could uh, kind of find a fingerprint uh, and link them to the morphology of the environment. So this is the the idea that was behind. Um, since this is, I think this is an an, an informal uh, room, <laughs> so maybe I, I thought maybe I could give you a little bit of uh, uh, the idea of how we got here. Uh, this is linked to my trajectory as a scientist, uh, and also from the fact that I joined the Institute of Neuroscience of Alicante, which is an institute of neuroscience. So during my first my postdoc postdoctoral years, my first postdoctoral experiences were all in laboratories which were uh, in which there were um, a lot of um, uh, researchers, experts in modeling diffusion signal, diffusion MRI signal. Uh, so modeling uh, uh, from the MRI signal how uh, the, the the impact of the um, the impact of the environment on the water molecules diffusing in the brain. And uh, so this was a field in which, which was very, really centered in uh, developing a more and more accurate model of the biophysical models of the tissue. 
to, to extract uh, uh, advanced parameter that could be useful in a way for, uh, for, um, for answering uh, relevant uh, neuroscientific and medi medical uh, questions. Uh, so uh, in, that, in that case, the focus was entirely on uh, modeling the bio, uh, the, uh, having a biophysical model of the tissue and modeling how the water was diffusing inside this tissue. Uh, so this was my, uh, my background, uh, but uh, for pers also for personal reasons, uh, I decided that I wanted to move to Alicante. And so uh, I went from uh, a field predominantly of, uh, made of uh, physicists like me, but even engineers. So people with a very technical background that was you know, analyzing the MRI signal and extracting all these kind of parameters uh, from them, uh, from the signal. Uh, to a field of neurobiology in which uh, the main expertise were more like related to really looking with invasive techniques at the tissues. Uh, and so the idea was, uh, okay, so how can we verify which, is the, 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 which are the fingerprints of the uh, cells that are composing the tissue on the MRI signal? Uh, and uh, this is where the idea started. We thought, okay, well, we can, uh, what about we uh, find, we look for some compounds that we can inject uh, in the brain, in the, in the, in the rodent brain uh, at the preclinical level, and which can interact with just one cell at a time. So in this case, for example, if we, we have something that can elicitate the activation of only the microglia, a compound that can elicitate the activation of only of microglia only, we can translate this, we can look what happens to the MRI signal, and we can see if the MRI signal contains this fingerprint. Uh, and this is how the, the project started. And uh, we started to select uh, uh, different compounds that uh, we thought were useful to us. Uh, for example, we come up with the, we, we saw we did a little research in the field, and we we saw that there was this uh, lipopolysaccharide, which is a uh, a toxin that is uh, that induces uh, microglia activation and a delayed astrocyte activation. The microglia activation is uh, uh, in, the, in, in, the, in a few hours, and then uh, a delayed astrocyte activation. But then we also wanted to test uh, other kind of um, challenges to the tissue. So, for example, we use the uh, ibotenic acid to induce neuronal death and also glia activation. And the idea is that we wanted to see if the MRI signal was uh, capable of distinguishing between a situation in which there was there, there was only inflama inflammation, the inflammation is reversible, uh, uh, to a situation in which inflammation was accompanied by neuronal death, which is instead uh, not reversible. Uh, we also we did also we also wanted to interact with another compart important compartment uh, of uh, of the brain parenchyma which is the myelin. So we also uh, challenged the system with using uh, lipopolysaccharide, which is depleting the myelin, which basically is depleting the myelin in tissue and also generating inflammation. Uh, okay, so we, yes, we we have. Uh, we have an instrument, we have an MRI, the instrument that we wanted to challenge and we wanted to look uh, at the content of the signal, if the signal was capable of uh, uh, having a fingerprint of uh, microglia and astrocyte activation. We had uh, the challenge, the challenge was the LPS, 
and the, the model system was in our case rodents. Uh, rodents are specifically rats. Uh, with, uh, with the preclinical MRIs, uh, unless there are good reasons why, it's always uh, better to go with rats because they have a bigger brain, so the, the imaging is, is easier. Uh, I think uh, I, I think there is uh, a link on the paper, but anyway, if you have the, the paper uh, in front of you, I, I will uh, uh, talk uh, about the results uh, like in order. <laughs> so uh, yeah, in the first figure, we uh, in the first figure we reported the results of this LPS lipopolysaccharide challenge. Uh, we, used a, a, uh, we used a stereotaxic injection in the hippocampus for several reasons. Uh, first reason is that it's a bilateral structure which, in which um, whatever we inject was really was filling the whole structure or a great, um, a great proportion of the, the structure, but was not uh, transferred to the other hemisphere. And this was, this was very important to us because it allowed us to uh, to have uh, to, to uh, avoid having a control group, so basically each animal is the, its own control. In one uh, hemisphere, we inject uh, the lipopolysaccharide, activating the uh, microglia, and in the other hemisphere, we injected the, the saline. The saline. Uh, so after this injection, the animals underwent uh, MRI. And uh, the, the, yeah, the, the outcome of the MRI are maps uh, of uh, different quantities that we uh, think are related to micro, uh, microglia morphology. So I would like to spend a few words on this. Uh, the, the idea is to, uh, so as, as I told you a little bit before, the idea is that uh, diffusion-weighted MRI is capable of tracking water, uh, the motion of water molecules uh, within the brain. Uh, this is done, um, the details of how this is done is, are uh, well in the techniques, but they're, they're not super important. I think, that, I think that the most important thing is that uh, by following how water displaces in, in, uh, in uh, uh, biological tissue, you can have, have indirectly information about the environment. So for example, think about uh, water diffusing uh, in, um, in uh, white matter. The white matter is uh, composed of fibers, really ordered fibers, which are kind of cylindrical in structure because they have uh, a coating which is made of myelin. So that if you look, if you don't, if you cannot see the fibers, but you can see the water molecules diffusing, you can have, have indirect information on which is the main orientation of the fiber in that position of space. Uh, and also, actually also more advanced information, but, uh, and, uh, but principally you can, you can look at uh, the main axis in which the diffusion happens. And why is, there, is that? Because due to the barriers uh, constituted by the axons, it's much easier for uh, water uh, to displace, to diffuse along the direction of the fiber rather than perpendicularly to it. Uh, actually, this is the basic principle uh, which is behind the diffusion tensor imaging, which is uh, the most uh, uh, used, probably most used diffusion weighted MRI approach. 
uh, and which is yeah, which is normally very uh, useful in white matter because uh, the because of these uh, highly oriented uh, cylindrical structures. But the same reasoning can be applied to any kind of structures as long as uh, there is a specific geometry and that you are able to describe this geometry. So what we did was we used uh, this. This is really inspired by. Um, uh, many uh, advances uh, from the field where I come from, which is uh, the MRI physicist, is what I was uh, telling you, uh, you about before. So uh, this is really thanks to my bi background as a um, MRI physicist, trying to model uh, the, how water displaces different environment. Uh, we built, uh, if you want something really basic, uh, really basic model made of uh, small and large uh, big and large, uh, small and large spheres, uh, and by sticks that are representing the, the processes of the microglia. The spheres represent the cell bodies, and then we have a, an extracellular matrix. So uh, by doing a, a really a simple model, in the, in the case if you're looking at the figure, so for example, for the microglia, um, the, this, this simple geometric model is uh, illustrated in the figure 1D. So it's just a small, the, the pink sphere is for uh, the cell bodies and then there, there are sticks with uh, a main orientation and a dispersion around the main orientation. Uh, and that's it. Uh, so it's a, a really basic uh, geometrical model. And uh, uh, by uh, modeling how uh, water diffuses in this kind of geometry, we can find indirect information about, for example, the, uh, the fraction of uh, water that is contained in the sticks. Why is this important? Why is it, is it interesting? Is it, is it interesting because uh, in case in which uh, the cell morphology changes, uh, you can, as you can see in figure C, uh, we have the different uh, uh, experimental groups. Um, the morphology changes because as, was, as I was telling you, this is a signature of uh, the fact that the cells are activated, that they start to retract the processes and the cell body becomes uh, larger. Uh, and this, of course, changes the diffusion of the water inside the structure. So uh, if we are able through MRI to measure the density uh, of the, uh, sorry, the proportion of the signal that diffuses in the sticks, of course, going from the condition, condition of 24 hours after the injection of the liposaccharide, uh, we, we would be able to observe a reduction of this parameter, which is exactly what we see with MRI. So to, to talk you a little bit through the, uh, to the figures, in figures B and E, uh, this, the, 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 the same thing basically is measured with uh, using uh, um, uh, histology on the morphology of the glia cell stained with the IBA1 in figure B. And uh, in the E, it's measured through MRI. So for example, the first, uh, uh, the first quantity is the process density in case of the histology immunostochemistry. And this is the density of the process the stained using uh, IBA1 uh, staining, which is a staining for microglia. Uh, while the, um, the, in figure E, the first parameter is the stick fraction, which, is, which corresponds to this. Uh, to, the, to the same uh, uh, quantity, which is the water, the fraction of water that diffuses into the sticks. 
Uh, and as you can see, uh, if you plot in the in these figures, the, what is plotted is the change versus control. Uh, so that is to say the quantity measured in the injected hemisphere uh, compared to the control hemisphere. And you can see that uh, across uh, the different times, the, uh, sorry, across different groups, experimental groups, uh, the trend that we measure is the same. In white, this is the microglia at uh, eight hours after injection. Uh, there is a decrease, a, sm uh, uh, a decrease in, uh, in process density, which is even more significant at 24 hours. And this is evident also from the uh, cell reconstruction in figure C, going from control to eight hours to 24 hours. Uh, this reduction is not present uh, in the uh, group in which it is this uh, gray with uh, lines. And in this group, we depleted the microglia prior, prior to the injection. We wanted to test if this uh, change that we saw was specific of the microglia. So we used a group of, in a group of animal, we depleted um, uh, up to 90% of microglia using uh, um, a, a, a specific uh, food administered to, through uh, chow. Uh, and this is called the PLX5622, is a microglia depletor. So in that case, we don't have, we don't see the, uh, this, uh, this reductionistic fraction. And also the fourth group is um, after the two weeks uh, after the injection. And in this case, since this uh, LPS administration is not permanent, but it's transient, uh, after a couple of weeks already, the microglia is uh, more or less back to baseline. And we can see this uh, from the histology and also from the, uh, from the MRI. For the second parameter, which is the cell size or small sphere radius from the MRI, uh, we get uh, exactly the same, the same results. And even with, for the process dispersion, uh, we, we get similar uh, results uh, from the histology and from the geometrical parameters measured uh, through MRI. Uh, the, in figure F and G, we reported the correlation between the changes measured using histology and the changes, changes using uh, MRI. Uh, this is uh, basically uh, ensuring that, again, that uh, we are looking at the same process with both techniques. Uh, and uh, finally, this is a group, group, these are group differences in normalized, in a normalized brain, brain uh, which, uh, in which uh, it is uh, evident that they injected the hemisphere, and this is for the, the stick fraction, so the fraction of processes. And it's evident that for the injected hemisphere, we have a clear reduction of these processes, uh, and this reduction is uh, explained as a retraction of the processes. Um, so, so, so yeah, this is what uh, we found in the, for the microglia. The second figure of the paper is basically the same, but looking at the cell size for the astrocyte. In this case, the histology is done through uh, staining of uh, GFAP. And um, in this case, they, uh, in, the, in the histology, we do a convex hull analysis uh, because the, the staining is, uh, stains the cytoskeleton of the, of, the, of the cell, but the cell have a more globular shape. So we do a convex hull analysis basically uh, uh, reconstructing the, the, um, 
the surface that is joining all the terminal of the processes. Uh, and in, uh, in, the, in our geometrical model of diffusion, uh, we, we, we model the astrocyte with like a globular shape uh, with a, a mean radius. Uh, so again, a very simple model, but uh, fully able to capture the effect. And in this case, what we, uh, what we compare is the, uh, the sphere of this radius with uh, the size of this convex hull that we reconstruct uh, from the histology. Uh, and again, we see an increase. It's not dramatic as the, the, the effect that we, the change in morphology that we see with the microglia, but we see an effect, an increase in the size of the convex hull, uh, and it's very significant. And uh, we can uh, detect this change also with MRI as an increase in the, in the uh, big sphere radius. And again, if we, if we check for the correlation between the changes in the mean sphere size in injected versus um, control hemisphere uh, and the histology, they are uh, corre highly correlated, highly significantly correlated. Well, significantly, not highly significantly correlated. And this is in the figure 2E. And in F, again, this is a, a group, uh, a figure of the uh, group effect in control versus injecting, and we see uh, an increase in the mean radius of the sphere. I just want to remark uh, why uh, the fact that we can measure with MRI and with histology the same thing is important, because the histology can all be, only be performed in fixed brain, while the MRI uh, is potentially uh, applicable in, in vivo and in, in all conditions, longitudinally, in humans, in animals, so this is the big advantage that we can kind of have uh, a virtual uh, histology with the, with the MRI. Okay, so this, this was even uh, uh, chrono chronologically, these were the first results that we got. That we, got. Uh, we were very excited about it uh, because, uh, I mean, there were, at the, at the time, there, were, there was something in literature uh, that was uh, demonstrating that the diffusion signal kind of contained uh, the finger, contained uh, the effect of the, the glia. Uh, but uh, I thought that, I think that uh, the, the original uh, vision of our paper is that we, we are able to demonstrate uh, specificity. So uh, I isolate a condition in which only microglia are activated. I isolate a condition in which only astrocytes are activated. And I, and I can demonstrate that I can detect a change in the specific MRI parameter that I relate to astrocyte or microglia. So after this, um, yeah, just to keep it informal, we were very excited. We sent it to the, to the journal and uh, the paper went to review. But all the reviewers, they were really, really, really clear that they, they wanted to have uh, other models. Uh, of glia activation, uh, and especially they wanted to see what about what happens uh, if there is also there are also other things changing in the tissue. So, for example, a big uh, a big issue was what about neuronal death? Because uh, at the end of the day, you want to apply this to uh, you know condition um, neurodegenerative condition in which uh, inflammation play, plays a role, and this neurodegenerative condition well come with degeneration normally, uh, so with neuronal death or neuronal degeneration. 
so we decided to uh, to have uh, to use more animals and to 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 have another model of inflammation with neuronal death. Uh, we we checked that with the LPS we don't we don't generate uh, neuronal death, so neuronal viability is preserved. Uh, so yeah, we use this. Uh, we use injection uh, of uh, ibotenic acid uh, in the again in the hippocampus, uh, and uh, you the results are uh, collected in Figure three. Uh, and uh, yes, so for example, in Figure three B, this is the histology of uh, new N uh, at the left. This is the intact hemisphere. Uh, but if you can see in the right, uh, there is uh, the, well, basically the neuronal death is almost complete uh, because there is no staining left of new N or only only a few a few cells are left. But and uh, at the same time, there is a strong uh, microglia uh, and uh, astrocyte, no, astro astro but just microglia activation. And in this case, uh, we are also able to see uh, proliferation. Uh, in the LPS, we don't see any proliferation, which means that the activation is just uh, achieved through change in the morphology, but the, there is no increase in the cell numbers, in the cell number. So uh, again, uh, in this case, uh, what we, uh, we, we, we do the same. Uh, we, we compare uh, quantities uh, extracted using the histology with uh, what we uh, can extract using uh, MRI. And uh, we can, of course, replicate the same uh, trend of, uh, in the, of since the, glia, the microglia are activated. So we again we see a reduction in the stick fraction in the process or, or process density. We see an increase in the in the um, cell body size. Uh, we also see a change, an increase in the, in the dispersion. But uh, comparing, uh, and this is in Figure 3C, when we compare the, the effect of the lipopolysaccharide and the hypothetic acid, we see a very clear uh, increase in the fraction of the small spheres. Uh, and uh, this is indicative of uh, cell proliferation, of course. So there are more, uh, more, there is more signal of the water measured uh, through diffusion-weighted MRI that belongs to uh, a geometry which is compatible with microglia. Uh, in other words, there is cell proliferation, which is exactly what we saw with the histology. And this is, was, this was, this result was uh, again to keep it a little bit informal. This was super nice because we didn't expect we we we, we saw the MRI results before the histology, and we didn't know that uh, the model was uh, inducing also glia uh, astrocyte uh, microglia proliferation. So this this was a nice surprise, and was a nice surprise that was anticipated by um, by uh, MRI analysis, our MRI analysis. So, uh, but okay, but then uh, if we are we are in uh, real life, uh, do, do, is there any signature that can uh, tell me if there is also neuronal death? Although this this is this was not the first uh, aim of the, the the main aim of the of the paper, but this was completely reasonable uh, from the from the reviewers. Uh, the question was completely reasonable. So, is there any signal that, we, that allows us to distinguish if there is or if there is not neuronal death? death? Uh, and uh, actually, yes, uh, there is a parameter. There was a parameter which is the fraction of, of water diffusing freely, 
that was only altered in the uh, ibotenic injected animals in which um, we only saw in which we observe neuronal death and this makes sense this is the fraction of water that diffuses uh, isotropically and this makes sense because uh, there is a huge tissue loss in this in this animal so um, as you see in the last uh, uh, the last plot of your uh, C, there is a reduction in this tissue, tissue fracture, which is significant only in the in the ibotenic uh, in, in the rats injected with the ibotenic acid, acid. In Figure D, we we try to correlate the amount of degeneration uh, with uh, some. Uh, uh, changes in the in this tissue fraction and we do this by repeating by having two different subgroups of the anim of animals injected with the ibotenic acid uh, one uh, a group uh, which were treated with minocycline which is supposed to uh, ameliorate uh, the neuronal death so prevent part in part neuronal death and others so, so which has a neuroprotective effect and others that were not uh, and so, uh, if uh, in the animals in which there is no neuroprotective effect of minocycline, the, the damage is stronger. This, this was uh, effect, expected and this was to confirm that also quantitatively the changes that we observe are, are meaningful. Are, uh, yeah, they are meaningful. Okay, this, uh, let's uh, move to the last uh, animal model that we used. Uh, I don't know how do I do with time. I hopefully well. <laughs> uh, so the last model that we used uh, is uh, looking at uh, demyelination induced by uh, lipo um, uh, by uh, lysolacetin injection, and in this case uh, we actually don't do not uh, see because we wait uh, two weeks after the injection and we do see demyelination but we don't see uh, glia activation so we wanted to test the, the specificity of the model and to say okay but uh, this if I say that these parameters are, are specific of myelin uh, of sorry of a glia uh, if something else happens to tissue if another compartment of the tissue is affected by uh, by demyelination for example uh, do are, are we capable of telling apart uh, the, the what, what is happening just by looking at the MRI? And it turns out that uh, yes and no. Uh, um, yes, uh, because by looking at the combination of indices, I I I can I can understand what's happening. But for example, this, this thick fraction that so far I assigned, I simplified this, the, the description and assigned it only to the processes of microglia uh, actually the stick fraction is also affected uh, when uh, by uh, demyelination by looking at the tissue model this is 100% uh, expected uh, and this is due to the fact that uh, this uh, stick fraction this fraction of the water that diffuses in a stick like geometry is actually a proportion uh, a proportion calculated over the proportion the, the, the total water and uh, if there is a change in the in the mining, if there is a mining loss, then there is a disbalance between the water diffusing in the extracellular and the intracellular environments. And this this mm, and this effect is reflected by a, a decrease in the a, a relative decrease in the stick fraction. However, uh, we don't see, we we don't see uh, uh, oh, uh, sorry other parameters that 
we assign to microglia are not affected. So just by looking at the combination of all the three parameters that we assign to microglia, we still can uh, tell apart the different conditions. Uh, the last uh, two figures, five and six, uh, I, I think that um, they can be uh, interesting as well because they, uh, they, they all, all, I mean, the core of our work is uh, this is a preclinical investigation, which uh, I think that the advantage of preclinical work is, is clear because we can, uh, you know, challenge one compartment at a time and see the results. Uh, in, in, the, in the measured MRI signal. But of course, uh, you want to use MRI because this, is, this, this technique is applicable to humans. Uh, and so we thought that was a nice proof of concept uh, just to acquire the same, the same sequence on humans and see what the maps look like. Of course, this, this was, a, uh, so we used uh, uh, six volunteers and uh, each of them came five times, so it's a total of 30 uh, scans. Uh, they came five times to for a reproducibility study, and this was to, also to see how reproducible these indices were. And we found out that the, the reproducibility is pretty similar to uh, conventional, uh, to, 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 for example, the reproducibility of uh, conventional diffusion uh, tensor imaging uh, parameters like the diffusivity and fractional isotropy. Uh, and uh, we also um, tested, uh, the, 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 uh, these volunteers are just healthy volunteers without any neurodegenerative condition. But uh, we thought, okay, but if this, uh, if there are, we selected the stick fraction and stick dispersion, for example, uh, as parameters that are sensitive to glia morphology. What about natural variability that happens, changes in glia morphology across different brain regions? Uh, and so we correlate, uh, um, we, we, built a, we build a linear model, and this is figure 6 uh, AMB, a linear model in which uh, for different brain regions, uh, I think uh, eight of them, in the, in the cortex, in the cerebellum, in the, in the thalamus, in the hippocampus. We correlate uh, this uh, MRI-derived uh, um, uh, parameters of glia with uh, microglia density uh, from histology, from post-mortem tissue uh, of, the, of the different, uh, these different regions. And we saw that there is a significant linear correlation uh, confirming this is what we could do basically in humans, of course, because uh, these were healthy volunteers, so we could not uh, challenge their blame with the LPS, but uh, just by looking at the naturally occurring variability of morphology across the different structures of the brain, we were able to, uh, to highlight uh, a correlation. And uh, the, I think that this is the... These are the main results, and of course, we discuss these results in terms of the perspective of uh, the utility that this method can have. Uh, again, uh, since this is a, a, an informal uh, audience, uh, I think that uh, I, I, I really believe in the work that we have done, uh, but also. Uh, interacting with the, the, the people that uh, are reading the, the paper, uh, one of the first questions is always, okay, how uh, can we apply this now to people in the clinic? And 
for full disclosure, uh, yes, of course you can, but um, there, there, are, there are two issues at the moment that needs to be solved. I think that uh, they will be solved, but uh, the first issue is that the work that we have done, the, the human uh, project is done, uh, is actually done in Cardiff University, in, uh, in Kubrick, in Cardiff University in Wales. Uh, and uh, it's uh, using a, a very special hardware system. It's an MRI scanner, it's called Connectome, and which features uh, advanced uh, characteristics, especially in terms of uh, magnetic field gradients. Without going into detail, it's just a very important property, and, and it's a property that uh, the, this kind of special uh, scanner has uh, matches the preclinical the scanner the, the features of the preclinical scanner but like in regular clinical scanner this is not the case so we first need to to demonstrate translation to like regular scan MRI scanners uh, that are in clinic uh, which uh, I am positive about it I think this this can be done uh, relatively easily and the other thing is that um, of course we 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 wanted to test the method so we wanted a really a strong challenge so the lps when you inject focally the lps the lps is uh, changing changing dramatically the geometry so really if you look at again if you look at figure one uh, c and you go from the control condition to the to the microglia 24 hours after the injection, you can see by eye that the, the, the geometry is totally different. So this is a super strong effect. But uh, like in real life, uh, especially for more subtle conditions like this chronic small activation that happens with age, uh, low level activation that happens with age, uh, uh, it's not, uh, you don't expect it to be so, uh, the change to be so big. Maybe it's more subtle, so uh, still have, we still have to demonstrate that we will be able, with this technique, we will be able uh, to detect uh, more subtle changes. But uh, even though I think that it's, uh, uh, that our uh, uh, achievement is to demonstrate that the MRI, that the MRI signal has the potential to be specific uh, with, uh, with the glia uh, and that uh, the, the, the signal is there. So in, the, in this uh, regard, I don't know uh, if there is someone in the, in the audience that is uh, interested or uh, familiar with diffusion tensor MRI, which is the most use, used uh, uh, diffusion-weighted imaging. Uh, I, if I can go to this, I don't know, I don't remember where it is, the supplementary materials. Ah, yeah, here, supplementary materials. Uh, in the supplementary materials, there is a figure in which we compare all these different conditions in which we have activation of microglia, of astrocyte, all the different conditions just by using mean diffusivity, which is the most used uh, diffusion tensor imaging uh, method. And this would be in figure, supplementary figure four. If you see the first, uh, the first column of the figure four, mean diffusivity, basically mean diffusivity is sensitive to all these conditions and in the same direction and with the same effect size. So already the, the diffusion signal already is affected. It contains already uh, the glia, signature of the glia. But the only problem is that uh, we cannot be specific to exactly what is happening in the tissue. And this is why we need advanced uh, methods. Uh, 
Uh, and uh, I've already been talking for, I think, uh, more than uh, uh, 40 minutes. <laughs> so um, I'm, I, th I think uh, I have uh, talked about more or less uh, the main uh, 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 topics referred to this uh, paper and then I'm of course uh, super happy to receive any kind of comment questions uh, about uh, uh, everything really so uh, thank you very much for uh, listening to me it was really a pleasure <laughs> thank you so much Silvia this was such a wonderful uh, talk and so informative um, how you went into um, explaining the different techniques and approaches and why uh, it was really wonderful and um, Katie do, do you have a question hello it's Katie um, firstly thank you so so much um, dr. Sylvia what an amazing research topic you have thank you for walking us through your paper um, some beautiful images in there I must say as well um, and we always love having women scientists in this room as well. So thank you so much for being here. Um, really excited to hear about the potential applications for the work that you've done. Um, and thank you for letting us know um, that you've been testing on animal models for the moment um, and hopefully can be moving to human models um, soon in the near future, which is super exciting. Um, love to hear that. So my question is, um, you know, we, you've spoken about different neurodegenerative <laughs> conditions and inflammation of the brain. Um, given that we know that um, COVID or SARS-CoV-2 is causing brain inflammation um, and also Alzheimer's or dementia-like symptoms, um, loss in gray matter and different effects on the brain. I'm just wondering if, you are thinking of doing any research or application, again, even if it's in animal models for the moment, um, about monitoring um, changes in the brain over time. Um, thank you so much again for being here and thank you, Katerina, for organizing. Hi, Katie, thank you very much for your question, for your comments. Yes, of course, yes, of course. So um, my main interest at, interest at the moment is uh, Alzheimer's disease. And the reason is that is the there is a uh, especially recently in the last few years there is the, uh, the, there are been a lot of paper a lot of work suggesting that inflammation is um, of course associated with Alzheimer but also maybe interacted actively with the disease kind of predicting it so the the reasons are the, the interest my interest is uh, from from two sides so first first of all as a bio, biomarker. So let's imagine that uh, this subtle glia activation is preceding uh, the, the formation of plaques, for example, that are a little bit the, the, the more uh, evident clinical uh, signature of uh, the Alzheimer degeneration. If this is preceding for, from a few, year, a few years, this, so then maybe we can have a strategy to have early detection. And then the, the, the other interest is, of course, more about the mechanism, how uh, the mechanism of this, uh, this pathology that I'm really interested in. And actually, we are uh, right now we are um, uh, doing a preclinical study on uh, a rat model of Alzheimer, the APP-SEN1. 
and exactly, we are looking at this is a very well characterized model in which there is like a progression of uh, the dif different uh, neuropathological uh, uh, signatures, and uh, among amongst them, of course, inflammation. We are interested in uh, in uh, mapping uh, longitudinally from young age to when they develop the pathology, these uh, inflammatory markers in the brain. You also talked about the COVID, and yes, of course, this is, I haven't done anything uh, yet, uh, but it's, uh, it's a possibility, it's actually a, a possibility, and it's, it's, a, it's a tool in that case as well, for uh, when in that case it's, it's for more, more, more than for diagnosis, more for monitoring and perhaps uh, monitoring the treatment after that diagnosis, and uh, also uh, as a potential tool uh, to have uh, some kind of uh, mechanistic insight, of, uh, insight on what's happening. Because, of course, I think with COVID, we are all, uh, you know, inside uh, <laughs> a clinical trial. We are doing, doing things while uh, the pathology is evolving. So, so it's unlike, uh, and we have to do it in a rational, like uh, with, uh, with other uh, pathologies that have been known since uh, more years. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for that answer. I think it's a very promising um, technique you developed and quite um, groundbreaking. Um, do you, you know, I and a friend of mine, um, we kind of had the theory um, that actually glia contribute a lot to already current existing MRI activation data but now you can basically dissect out better which one um, is microglia which one is a neuro neuron related um, do you do you think um, you know that is true <laughs> like there's a lot of data that we saw um, but just we couldn't dissect out and we always assumed it was more uh, neuron data. Yes, yes, exactly, definitely. Uh, MRI data uh, and, and generally MRI is, uh, is very powerful, in my opinion, it's very powerful because it's super sensitive to many things. But sometimes, uh, since it's indirectly sensitive to biological quantities, uh, it's difficult to make the link. Uh, and of course, I also think that, uh, especially in, in gray matter, in white matter is even more complicated because there is the, the glia, there are the oligodendrocytes, and then there is this super strong, highly directional pool of water diffusing in the, uh, within and outside the fiber, white matter fibers. But of course, uh, there is a contribution of the signal already in already published uh, studies. Uh, actually, historically, <laughs> again, uh, this was also triggered by another kind of research that we were doing, that it's an, another interest of mine is addiction and how brain changes with addiction and the brain damage caused by addiction. And we have a several uh, data coming from humans and also from preclinical models in uh, alcohol addiction. Uh, and, uh, and actually, we... we we used we had we had a lot of like conventional MRI data and what we saw is that okay of course we we saw in our patients that uh, there is of course a brain damage compared to controls 
But we also saw that in the first weeks of abstinence, we were able to follow these patients uh, longitudinally for uh, for uh, three weeks uh, after they come to the clinic for the for the detoxification treatment, and it's, it's actually this this there this was a there was a kind of a further damage happening in the first weeks, and we we said we had the idea that inflammation was somehow involved. And uh, so we implemented a similar protocol. We looked at uh, um, animal data, and, and we were able to confirm with the histology that yes, of course, there is in, in, there, there is a very uh, critical evolution of the uh, the glia in the first weeks of abstinence from alcohol. Uh, but on that cohort, we only had um, conventional MRI data, if you can call it like that. So we are now. Uh, doing a more advanced study using our biomarkers and hopefully we will confirm also with the, with the MRI the results that we got uh, preclinically. Thank you. Yeah, wonderful. Um, that sounds so promising. I think your work will, will make such a big difference in neuroscience. Thank you so much and congratulations. And um, if you have a few more minutes, um, I wanted to ask Frank, and Searing, uh, do you have questions or comments? Um, so first of all, Dr. Uh, DeSantis, thank you so much for the presentation. I, I'm, I'm still relatively new to, to um, this discipline and uh, I wish that Serena was here to ask questions about the astrocytes. That probably was the same question that you asked, Katarina. So uh, um, I'm, I'm, I'm still, uh, very um, basically, very fundamentally thinking about this water diffusion. So this is, as I as I read into your uh, paper, it is because it's non-invasive and it's and you can you know uh, look at all sorts of things. So probably I would just ask again if you have anything to add why uh, why this focus on water. So what how is water? How does it work in 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 the in these cells and uh, on these um, uh, yeah whatever uh, the ways the pathways in in the brain are uh, yeah so probably just a very fundamental question towards uh, what it is about water that makes it better than looking at anything else. Hi Frank, thank you very much for the question. Yeah, so um, water is there in the brain. It's like between 70, more or less 70% is made up of water. So water is there and it's uh, diffusing. Diffusion is, diffusion is not to flow. So diffusion is uh, just the random movement of water molecules that you can also observe in a glass of water. So they are there. And since their temperature is uh, higher than zero Kelvin, they are moving all the time. And if, the, if they are in, the, in a glass of water, uh, they are just moving freely, which is not super interesting. But uh, if they are embedded in uh, a media, uh, by especially a biological media, in which there is something else except water, uh, so they are diffusing. And in their diffusion, in their random movement, they will uh, hit uh, barriers. So depending on the on how the barriers are structured, there are there will be some orientation that will be more likely. Uh, for them to diffuse. I made the example of the of the white matter because it's a super clear environment, the fibers. This is also true for the fibers in the muscles, for example. This is even true 
with the salary. So if you put the sal a salary in, in, in MRI, <laughs> you can see that you can do, do uh, water diffusion imaging. And this is based on the fact that uh, along the fibers of the salary, uh, water molecules can displace uh, more easily. And in brain, it's exactly the same thing. But uh, while in white matter, this is uh, easily, you know, easy in a way, because it, there is like this strong um, 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 directionality of the fibers, uh, the gray matter is a little bit of everything. So there are neurons, there are some axons, there are the dendrites, uh, there are the, the, of course, there is the glia, there are the microglia, the astrocytes, and uh, so, so, so it's more messy. The situation is, is more messy, but still, uh, given uh, uh, due to this uh, sensitivity to the distribution of barriers, uh, still it's possible. It's it, it is possible to kind of dissect the total signal. The signal will be just a, a little bit messy of combination of everything. A, so, a sum more than a combination. A, a sum. Uh, over uh, the different compartments, each one with its own volume fraction. Uh, but if you model, if you know that, okay, there is, so there is a little bit of this, there is a little bit of spheres, there is a little bit of uh, uh, ramification, there is a, a main orientation which is done because there is there is still a proportion of axons. And uh, so if if you if you uh, decompose the signal in uh, the different compartments, you can have. Um, indirectly information about different compartments. So th this is the idea. And uh, actually the model can be, uh, the model that we use is really basic. There are amazing works in the works in the field. This is more in the field that, uh, that where I come from, the MRI physicist specialized in, in uh, water diffusion. Uh, there are amazing works trying to uh, complicate this even more uh, and uh, having a more more uh, advanced and even more uh, uh, subtle models of the of the tissue. Uh, in our case, uh, we, we we wanted to 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 capture a very big effect, which was this change in the in the morphology of the of the astrocyte and microglia. Uh, so we stick to a quite uh, uh, easy easy model, but that's the, that's the power. Water is there, water is diffusing, and it's randomly choking uh, with uh, things, barriers, things, and just by looking at how uh, this water can or cannot move, uh, we can uh, indirectly have this kind of information about the environment. Let me conclude with a, a super nice metaphor that I always do in my talks it's not mine <laughs> unfortunately and i don't remember why where i copied it so disclaim this is disclaimer but the idea is like when you are observing uh, um, a highway by night uh, by night you do, you don't you don't see the road because it's dark uh, but you can see, you, you know where the road, road goes. Uh, and you know it uh, because you can look at the car lights, how they displace in the, in the street. So it's like really looking at a high, highway by night from above. Uh, you know where the, uh, the direction of the highway, even if you cannot see the highway. But with, this, with these cells, it's the same. I see what happens with the water uh, entrapped uh, inside these cells, and they can have indirect information on their shape, uh, how many of them are there. Uh, and from them, I can uh, extrapolate uh, things like uh, um, process density, uh, proliferation, and stuff like that. Thank you. 
Amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, Serene, do you do you want to ask a question, uh, comment before? Uh, no, ma'am. Actually, right now I'm out the market. I don't have any questions, ma'am. Thank you. Thanks for coming and listening. And um, um, does anyone have any last uh, questions or comments? Please go ahead. Hello, it's Katie. Um, wow, thank you so much again, Dr. DeSantis. Um, really, really fascinating research. And um, I'm sure that lots of us have got so much value and we've got the replay on, so people will be listening in later as well. Um, we would absolutely love to hear updates. And I was wondering, do you have either social media or a website or something that we can follow along. Um, of course, we'd love you to come back and give us an update here um, on this app, but if there's a way that we can follow um, up and hear about your research, we'd really, really love to connect. Thank you. Hi, Katie, thank you very much. Uh, yes, of course, I'm on Twitter, for example, um, uh, and uh, my I am uh, LabMRI on Twitter. So there you can find out all the latest uh, uh, news about the lab. Yeah, and of course, uh, thank you, uh, Katarina, for sharing my uh, webpage. That is also uh, my webpage. Thank you very much. Uh, I edited in the chat box. I hope I've, uh, it's right, lab MRI, right? That's the, your, your Twitter. Okay, we will, I'll follow you. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, great. Um, Thank you so much uh, for your time and sharing this amazing work with us. And we wish you all the best because I really think this will be such a groundbreaking <clears throat> technique for people to monitor uh, glia activation and inflammation in the brain. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, we wish you all the funding, basically. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> sorry. And um, I hope you come back with updates uh, one day and I hope you enjoyed it. And thank you everyone for coming, asking questions and supporting. Um, yeah, thank you so much, Sylvia, and all the best to you for your future. Thank you very much, Katarina. It was a pleasure for me and uh, anytime if you want to have me back again when there is more uh, updates on the work, I will be glad. And thank you very much to all for listening to me. It was, uh, it was really a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, great. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And uh, enjoy your summer in August. <laughs> your time off, it's also important. And um, thank you, everyone. And um, hopefully we hear you all back soon. Um, and um, enjoy the rest of your day or evening. Uh, I know it's probably late for you. Katie is an Australia researcher. Um, okay, thank you so much. Um, and um, I'll close the room in three, two, one. Bye, everyone. Thank you.